Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of That Girl with the Curls. This is Sam, That Girl with the Curls, hence the title, yay! Um, and this is the first podcast of the new year, uh, as promised in the previous podcast. It is all about Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. And uh, just so you know, this is a spoiler warning because there are so many things that we talk about. It's a, another long one. Um, I promise I'll try and get them down to more reasonable times. I don't know how long people are willing to actually sit through podcasts anymore because I will sit through ones that are you know almost two hours long frequently but I also have a job that requires that much uh, audio going into my ears so uh yes spoiler warning all of Force Awakens uh the only thing we don't really touch on too much and I'm when I was going back over it I kind of was disappointed in that is that we didn't talk about uh General Leia Organa all that much but suffice it to say, Carrie Fisher is awesome. Uh, she's great. So happy with what we got in terms of what Force Awakens offered for her. And I can't wait until uh, the next episode because I, I hope, you know, I feel like she'll have more of a role to play. Or at the very least in the director's cut, uh, which I assume will happen because everyone wants to make as much money off of Star Wars as possible. And it's billions of dollars. But uh, I'm fairly certain there are going to be some cutscenes that we'll see of her in the director's cut DVD Blu-ray thing. So, uh, just putting that out there, because we don't touch upon it too much. We do talk a little bit about Luke, a lot more about Han Solo for obvious reasons. But um, again, spoiler warning, The Force Awakens, just generally, it is awesome. And uh, I encourage everyone to go out and see it and enjoy. Have some fun. That's what the movies are about, guys. It's about having fun. Uh, so yes, please to enjoy for your listening pleasure. Quite the panel here. Uh, Sean makes his glorious uh, return to the show. Hello, Sean. Hello. Yay! <laughs> I haven't talked to you for so long. It's so I'm, weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I'm trying to schedule time to talk to Jack, and it's like not possible. <laughs> We're all so goddamn busy. God damn it! Like him and no. his stupid time zones. I miss the days where we just talked all the time. <laughs> it was glorious. <laughs> the halcyon no. days of conversation. <laughs> Uh, we also have returning uh, James Rowe, Roman on the Rocks. Hello, James. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And also JP, back from the last time he was here. Hello, JP. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I talked to those two because we played Destiny, so I always have to listen to abuse <laughs> Roman on the Rocks. Sean gets disconnected, it's because he's pirating somebody else's internet. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and it's also at a convenience excuse for the fact that he's a terrible shot. <laughs> Stormtrooper-esque shot. Ooh, them's fighting words right there. I'm like the team mascot. I'm like Chewbacca. 
<laughs> have you guys ever seen the there was like this little meme where it's like a, a red shirt walks into a room with a stormtrooper stormtrooper fires red shirt still goes down <laughs> yeah stormtrooper misses i screwed that one up but whatever it's around um but uh we're all assembled here because we want to talk about star wars force awakens it's been a couple of weeks now and i think the, the consensus amongst us all that I've seen on online is that we all uh, liked it at, at the very least, right? I loved it. Yeah, so spoiler alert. Yes, there's huge spoilers. Like, this is going to cover everything, so... Yeah, if you get spoiled and you're listening to this, sucks to be you. <laughs> like, you've been warned. We've, we've held off talking about this for too long as is. That's very true. <laughs> We're trying to be polite. <laughs> yeah, it's very so. That's an actually very interesting thing, Sean, because uh, there there almost seemed to be this kind of, I mean, mostly agreed upon thing where it's like, guys, let's not ruin it for everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Right, right. Well, and it was funny because somebody shared like this this uh, like a little clipping somebody like had put together on Facebook that was just like the last time Americans were this united was nine eleven. For, a, for not spoiling Star Wars. I and I thought about it, and I was like, great. I thought that was like a true fucking statement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, well, it, it's weird, right? Like, it's, the, it's it, the things we get behind. Like, we can't get behind going out and voting to save our lives. Mm-hmm. But we will get behind football and Star Wars like our lives depend on it. Which, it's it's insane. Why haven't we weaponized this yet? <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure I'm sure someone's working on it. Well, yeah, just just add some like Darth Vader stuff to a voting booth and just okay. you know. <laughs> so I have to tell you guys, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but I have to tell you all. So I have this guy who works for me, who is a, a really okay. nice guy, a genuinely nice guy, but um, he is convinced. That Hollywood is essentially in their films telling us all the things that the people who secretly run the world are doing to us all the time. Oh God! So he—it's every time he sees a movie, it's just feeding his conspiracy theory about how everything that happens in the world truly happens in the world. We can glean from films because Hollywood's the only one telling us the truth. Hollywood's <laughs> so real. I kid you not. Oh Lord! Well, he's the nicest guy, and he he like rings it in for like regular normal life stuff. But if you get him going, man, he he can go down some pretty weird places. Man, I can only imagine what he got out of this one. Here's next tape. <laughs> it's like you know that Hollow Earth theory. Well, turns out there's a movie where this happens. The core yeah. is really just a, a thinly veiled talk about the Hollow Earth theory. I mean, really, if you think about it, JP. Um, but, uh, but let's, uh, let's cover the plot first of, uh, of Force Awakens. We can get that out of the way and then we can talk about everything else. Does anybody feel like they can encapsulate the plot in a relatively short amount of time? I mean, I can take a stab at it. All right, Sean, go for it. I mean, like, this is full spoiler? Yeah, full spoiler. Great. Uh, okay, so the movie starts off with your opening crawl. It's been 30 years since Luke Skywalker's been seen. Uh, one of his apprentices turned to the dark side and killed most of his other apprentices, we can assume. So he basically escaped and wallowed in self-pity on some remote planet. Uh, <laughs> in that time, the First Order has gotten more powerful. The First Order is a remnant of the Empire since it's been destroyed. Uh, it is posed by the uh, Resistance, which is not actually the Republic, but is fed by the Republic, or so we can have kind no. of... No. Hold on. Be careful. 
Because there's some pretty important things that you're kind of just throwing out there, Sean. He's, this yeah. is a bare bones, like, he's just trying to get through the plot synopsis right now. We'll get into the nitty gritty, JP, yeah. don't worry about it. Is important, it is important to know that the, the Republic does not support the Resistance. And unlike in the original trilogy, where we come to find out by the fifth episode five and six that the the rebellion is significantly in um in terms of size um the resistance is not we pretty much like see the entirety of the resistance in this film okay but the so that's an important point that the republic is feeding the resistance hence why the first order opposes the republic can i continue now yes okay <laughs> Okay, then we meet this uh, stormtrooper down on the planet after the map of Luke Skywalker's last known position was given to a small little orange droid called BB-8. Uh, he gets sent away by the, the Resistance's top pilot, Poe Dameron. He's a very charming individual. We'll meet him later on in the story. Uh, we're going to continue with the droid. It meets a young scavenger girl who lives on the planet Jakku who trades machine parts for breakfast or lunch or dinner. Uh she basically finds it. She runs into the stormtrooper, which I spoke of just briefly, where he decides to defect from the Empire. He escapes from the Empire, or sorry, First Order, escapes <laughs> from the First Order with Poe Dameron. They both crash land on Jakku. Poe Dameron does not get seen again. We assume he's dead, but he's really not. Um, then he runs into Rey. They kind of have this, like, love at first sight thing. Well, he does. Uh, they basically try to escape the First Order. They get Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon is then docked by Han Solo and Chewbacca, who track the Millennium Falcon down. Uh, they escape from monsters on their ship in the Millennium Falcon to the uh, planet where Maz Kanata, who is this nice little alien girl, woman, like 900,000 years old, because it's been open for the girl. Long. Girl, whatever. <laughs> Lady. <an> girl. <laughs> um... So they go there, uh, the First Order and Resistance both try to take down the droid and all of the people. Can someone continue for me for just a second? Okay. <laughs> so the First Order follows Han, uh, Rey, and Finn, and Chewie to the planet where Maz is, where she's basically being, uh, she's giving Finn the uh, out he needs to get to the Outer Rim, and she also uh, manages to help Rey figure out that, hey, she's a bit Force-sensitive, uh, because she finds the uh, um, lightsaber that once belonged to Anakin Skywalker, which next belonged to Luke, and now could belong to her. Uh, so the First Order, like, tracking down BB-8, but then she runs into Kylo Ren, who's been the big bad thus far. I don't think uh, we really covered him yet. Um, he's been trying to get all the information, trying to find the droid because of the map to Skywalker, and we later learn that Kylo Ren was the apprentice that uh, killed everybody that <laughs> Luke basically got all uh, panties in a twist and left everyone for 30 years for. Um, also, Kylo Ren is Han Solo and Leia's, uh, Princess Leia's son. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Boom! Uh, do you want to pick it up from there, or should I keep going? He okay. survives. He survives. <laughs> Where were we last? What were we just saying? Uh, we're still on the planet with Maz and Rey and Finn, and Kylo um, has just shown up. So Kylo Ren shows up, he kidnaps Rey by knocking her out with some force power. Uh, he takes her to the Starkiller base, which is a giant Death Star, like 14 times the size, but a planet, not a 
space station. So there's like living trees on it. Not really important, but I decided to describe it anyway. <laughs> uh, so he takes her to the base and he tries to use his force powers to extract the information because she has seen the map that BB-8 has. Uh, she for somehow just uses the force to block that from happening and then read his mind to basically point out his fatal flaw that he wants to be Darth Vader, but he can never be Darth Vader even though he is Darth Vader's grandson. Uh, that freaks him out. He runs to the Supreme Leader Snoke, who I haven't spoken about yet, who is the new face of the First Order, kind of dark and mysterious like um, Darth Sidious was back in the original trilogy. Uh, we don't know, really know what his role is. Uh, then the Ray uses the Force mind trick to basically escape by convincing Daniel Craig that she needs to leave <laughs> and to drop his gun. Uh, she leaves and escapes. Finn and the Resistance show up at the planet and try to destroy it, just like the Death Star, by just taking out the little weakness and then exploiting that weakness for a greater weakness. <laughs> um, in that time, Han Solo runs into his uh, son and begs him to come home. Kylo Ren stabs him through the stomach. Han Solo dies miserably in a pit. <laughs> uh, Finn and Rey get really pissed off. They, you know, take a sh- well, Chewie takes a shot at freaking Kylo Ren, he goes down a little bit, cries like a bitch for the rest of the movie. Uh, then you don't see Chewie again, he somehow managed to escape the explosion, I don't know how, but he was gone. Uh, Kylo Ren chases Finn and Rey into the snowy wooded area of the planet that is slowly imploding because the Resistance has penetrated its shields and single weakness, as they tend to do in these movies. Mm. Uh, there's an epic lightsaber fight. And Ray finally accepts the fact that she is a Force-sensitive person and, you know, fucks Kylo Ren up, scratches his face a bit, <laughs> and they escape. And then she goes to the planet where Luke Skywalker's hiding, because R2-D2 comes awake with the rest of the map in the nick of time. And they end up just staring at each other on the island while she hands over a lightsaber. I made it sound really less cool than it actually was. You're, you're doing some editorial <laughs> commentary there. <laughs> <laughs> This is how Sean like, describes like, movies. Just listen to that been like, all right, I'll watch this movie. <laughs> this is this is this concludes Sean uh, synopsis of a movie. Uh, uh, it's a good thing we're going to talk more about all of those. <laughs> really, like, regardless of how I described it, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. No, thus concludes <laughs> the summation of A New Hope. Um, <laughs> Shit. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. okay. So, I think the first thing should do is we should go around and say what your initial reaction to the movie was seeing how we all saw it within the first couple of days of it being released and what your opinion of it is two weeks later Ooh. okay um how about we start with you then jp oh mr i suggested idea. the idea <laughs> okay so my initial reaction uh in if you listen to everything Sean just said and then the joke that Sam threw out there, it is essentially when you walk out of watching The Force Awakens for the first time, you feel like you just watched episode four. It looks similar. It feels similar. The pacing is similar. You can tell that J.J. Abrams has watched these films to the point of excess, has obsessed over them, and has tried to within reason, recreate everything he loved about the original trilogy um, just for a modern audience. And in doing that, he's extremely successful. No one can watch this film, in my opinion, and not immediately feel like 
they watch something that makes sense in the realm of the original trilogy. Having said that, <laughs> when I get two weeks away from it, and I actually take a moment to think through some of the plot points, which is, you know, important, mm. then you come to find that this movie has just as many story holes as all of the Star Wars films do, <laughs> including the original trilogy. Um, and to some extent, what frustrate ends up frustrating me is that Four, five, and six are wonderful movies that, for me, I am too young, even at 33, to have gone and understood what it was like to watch them as they were being released. I watched them as a set. I watched them as a trilogy. I watched them all together. I, that's how my initial appreciation of them came to be. So mm-hmm. for me, that was a complete story. And then whatever EU adventures I decided to go on were completely on me. But... What Disney has done is they've essentially wiped the slate clean. They've said, we're giving you the entirety of the story and we're going to give it to you in a way that you should be able to figure some things out on your own. The problem is there's there's just some real shaky plot points. There's some things and some criticisms that have been floating around on the internet that are valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, two weeks later, I would give it a B plus. Okay. Where immediately after saying it, I would have given it like an A plus plus. That's the fanboy in me. Mm-hmm. Once I'm the fanboy in me, it's it's a B plus. Okay. Uh, then uh, James, how about you? What was your initial reaction, and then your your reaction two weeks out? Uh, well, I went and saw it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw it the opening week, and then I saw it again the following week. Um, so the nostalgia. <coughs> was definitely, like, very similarly to, to JP. I mean, it was... I went into the movie, like, it was one of those, like, we weren't even gonna go see it opening weekend. Like, I was just like, no, we're gonna wait and go see it with a couple of our friends next week. I'm gonna hold off, and, you know, it, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then we got, like, the movie released, and we got, like, a day into the movie's release, and I was sitting there, and, like, a couple of people had seen it, and I was, like, seeing a couple of things floating around, like, on Facebook about, like, you know, this is just a phenomenal movie, and I got the itch, and I had to go see it. And so I told the wife, I was like, we wanted to see it in IMAX anyways, so we, we went and saw it. <laughs> That was your um, whole excuse right there. <laughs> right? And so we went on that Saturday, and, um, I sat through this movie in utter silence. Uh, the movie for me, because I mean, I, I think we all grew up very much in the ger- generation that was episodes one, two, and three. And we had already all seen episodes four, five, six, and we were fans, obviously, and into it. And so episode one on its debut was supposed to be our Star Wars, like, this was supposed to be everything that we had heard people, like, went through from episode 4, 5, and 6. And then we just got horribly let down. (laughs) For three movies, we got horribly let down. And this, this was my Star Wars. This was that experience that, that, that my parents, um, and, um, other people around my parents' age and, and, and whatnot, they got to experience when they were kids with four, five, and six. 
that's what The Force Awakens was for me on opening day. Like, this was my moment. And it lived up to it. It lived up to the complete hype in my head. Um, I mean, I sat there in just stunned silence. Uh, I think my wife made a couple of comments throughout the movie, mm-hmm. and I just didn't hear them. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> it was really kind of like she wasn't there. Like, I knew she was, but I just ignored her presence. Like, I was just in all of the awe. Um, two weeks later, um, I mean, the nostalgia factor and the wow factor definitely has come down. Um, having seen it like the week after it gave me more time because I went into it not so much as like, I'm a fan of this. I'm, I went into it my second watch as I'm really going to kind of watch and analyze some things. And, and I agree there, there definitely are some plot holes and I don't know if, I don't know if that is intentional on J.J. Abrams' part as far as following the formula that is the Star Wars franchise. Mm. Like, none of these movies have no plot holes. They all have lots of plot holes, so I'm going to maintain that. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of hoping that's the case between him and uh, the writers uh, that he worked with and everything. Um, If it is the case, I'm just hoping the difference is going to be down the road we get delivery um, on each of those. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I sit after my second watch is like, that's, I'm just concerned now. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm happy it came out and I'm happy it's everything I wanted it to be, but I have so much concern and, 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 and shadows of doubt because there is so much possibility, especially finding out that Abrams isn't directing the next two, mm-hmm. that there's a real possibility failure is an option and i just don't want that so much so second weekend um i'm kind of with jp um i i wouldn't say it's the best movie i've ever seen in my life um it's definitely not the worst um it's definitely i'd say probably in in my in my top five for sure okay sean uh your initial reaction and you're two weeks out uh okay well i saw the movie the day it came out i had Bought my ticket to Wayne Advance and was super pumped. I took off a day of work just for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw it in IMAX 3D. It was glorious. Uh, I had a shit-eating grin on my face the entire way through the movie. Um, I thought it was charming. I thought it was humorous. I thought it was action-packed and adventurous. It reminded me of watching the original Star Wars uh, when I was a kid. It kind of brought back that awe and the wonder that Star Wars leaves you with, whereas the prequel trilogy came out and it was pure spectacle. <laughs> um, it had its fair amount of spectacle in this, don't get me wrong, they did gloss and things up a bit, make it look nice and shiny and new. Uh, would I agree there's some plot holes? I definitely would. Uh, there were some things that just didn't make sense to me. Uh, I went to see it again on uh, New Year's Day, uh, decided to see if I could pay attention to them more and see if I you know, would like it more or like it less, and... I came out the same way. I liked it just as much the first time as I did the second time. Um, I know that they're going to end up answering a lot of the questions I have, hopefully. I can't say for sure, but hopefully answer the questions that I have um, in the next two movies. Um, You know, if you watch A New Hope, they allude to the Clone Wars, and, you know, you don't even know what those are until they finally came out with the prequels and the Clone Wars. So there's some plot points that they missed out on that, too, so... You know, maybe we'll get the answers we're looking for. I hope we do. I, I did really enjoy it. I think I would have given it a, a probably a solid four out of five when I left the first time, and I probably would have kept it around the same if I left again when I left again. Okay, cool. 
Um, as for myself, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw it on opening day as well. Not, uh, not because I was necessarily like trying to, but because a friend invited me to go to the IMAX 3D showing and I was like, well, I'm not going to skip out on that when it's offered to me. So, uh, saw it and, uh, what was actually really fun was, was watching people, uh, you know, coming to the line of people waiting to get in to go see the movie, first of all, because there were clearly people who were going to go see Star Wars, but didn't understand maybe what the the level of fandom was for people. <laughs> because they were just like, they had like these jaw-dropping looks on their face where they're like, how can there be this many people? What? So that was, just, that was just kind of fun for me. Uh, people who are not used to geeks and fandoms, like kind of experiencing that for the first time. <laughs> but, uh, no, I came out of that movie just I was I was super pumped uh after the movie uh after I came out of that because yes, I I from the from the get-go, I mean, you can just see those uh, you know, episode 4 uh beats. I mean, once you figure out what's happening, you're just like, "Oh, okay. Well, I see where this is going." Um, but at the same time, I feel like the movie put just enough new stuff in there to keep me going like, oh my god, that was so cool and I want to learn about more of this stuff right now. Why isn't episode 8 out yet? Um, or like, today. I don't care. I want to see the rough cuts now. Um, so, uh, yeah, th I agree that there are plot holes, there's a lot of stuff that isn't answered, but I'm of the mindset because this is like, I feel like this is the first time really that the this trilogy is being set up to be told as a continuous story. Um, cause I, yeah, like, like everyone else, I used to watch the, um, the original trilogy on video. My father and I, my sister would rent the trilogy and watch it together. It was like one of those bonding things that we did. And I got so good at it. Like I, I'd seen it so many times I could tell from within like two or three seconds of a scene, which movie it was. So just not to, not to brag too hard, but I had that skill at one point in my life. Uh, so yeah, like leave it. So leaving the theater, super pumped. I mean, you guys know me. I think about this stuff a lot anyway. So uh, there, yeah, there are problems, but they don't, they don't bug me as much. Uh, they really don't. And even two weeks out, I mean, those problems are still there. There's still story beats that are just kind of like, okay, you know, how did that happen? You know, why this? Why not that? Um, yeah. So I get that, but it also, I don't know. It just they put effort into this and that's what I appreciated the most. So I'm kind of waiting for episode eight to just see if this is a fluke or if this is actually what, you know, like the intent of this, of this next trilogy is, if that makes sense. Sure. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Excellent. Okay. So, um, now that we've synopsized the, uh, the movie and we've kind of gone through like initial expectations versus, you know, a little bit out, um, do we want to go through this? Uh, are there certain scenes that people really want to talk about? Or, I mean, do you guys have something you really want to get off your chest about Force Awakens yeah, I first? Have a what? I have a soapbox. Okay, Jason, you can have your soapbox. <laughs> oh, Christ. So here's my thing, right? <laughs> first of all, everyone who's on the internet coming up with all these fan theories. Why are you so quiet? Can you turn up the volume? Yeah, I can't. You're. Yeah, is my mic down too low? <laughs> I tried to tweak it because I thought it was up too high before. Hold on. Sorry, choke on it, JP. <laughs> Get on your soapbox and choke, choke, choke. Is that better? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just don't scream at so, me. So, 
So here's the here's my issue, right? JP like, has an issue. <laughs> JP has an issue. <laughs> One, everyone who's on the internet coming up with all these fan theories, listen, stop it. <laughs> Most of you are not even doing your homework before you do it. You're just randomly spitting out whatever ridiculous idea comes to your head right off the top. And the ones that are you of you that are doing your homework, what if what what if you're right and then you ruined it? Like to some extent, just take a minute, realize it's okay to not know what's going to happen next. It's all right. Like, <laughs> yeah, but speculation. I, I have fun. So look, I have hopes for eight and nine. I have a very specific. I've always had one critical issue with the Star Wars film series that I am genuinely hoping gets addressed. And I'm willing to talk about that in the in the perspective of the Star Wars franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. But what I what I just I wish people would stop doing is going through and like, well, this is so and so is related to so and so and this and that and this and that. Like one if you read any of the um the accompanying material you realize that poe and poe is the oldest of everyone involved and kylo and ray are not the same age they cannot be twins they cannot be related they could potentially be related but they are not twins so to some extent that whole like are they twins is it the eu come again is it's just it's not it's not, it's not gonna happen. It's not true. Just read shit, man. Oh, who hurt you, JP? Who hurt you so bad? So, like, I, it's just, to some extent, I, it creates these arguments online that are so unnecessary. Like, just stop and enjoy the movie for a minute. Don't, don't, don't live in the moment for just a second. That's, that's my only point. Mm-hmm. Rebuttal, anyone? I mean, not really. I mean, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I agree with what Sean said. Like, in kind of, kind of, you know, while while JP was standing up on his box, was you know, like, I mean, it, it is. It's it's we're all going to come up with like our own thoughts and our own theories, and it's, really it's speculation is sublime. Like, it really is. Uh, it's and I mean, some people have presented some interesting thoughts. Like, I mean, I've seen some of the theories floating around. I'm like. I have my own That's theory. I was hoping we could have like a theory off later on, but if JB doesn't like speculation, then shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, look. I don't have to win. I don't have to be right. If you want to do it, have at it. No. Just, just make sure. Here, here's the thing. This is all I ask. Just make an informed opinion. If you're gonna put an opinion out there, at least have done your homework. Like, it's not like Episode Seven came out in isolation. There's, like, a whole list of books and reading material that kind of feed into things. Like, we know why the, the Republic and the Empire ex- coexist. That's, it's, it's not, we don't have to guess. We well, know why. And because that's, it's outlined in Aftermath. JP, first of all, not everyone's read all that stuff either. So yeah. there, there is, and this is an interesting thing about the Star Wars fandom, too, because there are those of us who watch only, like, pretty much strictly the movies, um, and maybe the cartoons. I mean, I've been catching up on Clone Wars and, and Rebels lately. This is so good! Uh, I know it! Um, but for the most part, a lot of people who are seeing the Star Wars movies 
are only seeing the movies. I mean, you have your definite Star Wars geeks, your fans and everything, but not everyone is reading like Chuck Wendig's book um, or, or any of the subsequent uh, materials that, you know, Disney and Lucasfilm are releasing as part of the new canon. So I think that also has to be taken into account that if you're asking people to do the homework, it also stems from where they're coming from as a fan, I think. And that's okay. I, I am okay with one or the other. I'm okay with saying, look, I just want to watch the films and enjoy the films, and I don't care about all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people saying, I want to speculate, and I have all these ideas. I'm just saying, if you're going to be the idea guy and throw stuff out there and kind of con and confuse people, right? Like, Because some people only only know what they read on the internet, right? Like, they watch the movies, they read the internet, and they make these informed decisions. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, is if you're going to read, if you're going to put throw stuff out there, do your homework. If you're not, that's fine. Just don't throw it out there. So, can I just ask, is the basis of your whole argument here is that you want people to stop posting stupid shit on the internet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and... and well, you... I just want to get to the root of that problem. <laughs> <laughs> It just it just boils down to internet bad. Well, and it is interesting because fan speculation has been rampant for for a long time. Um, Why isn't fan speculation rampant? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Very true. Uh, and with Star Wars, like the really the biggest one now is um, because they they don't really beat around the bush in terms of telling you who Kylo Ren is. Like it's. In terms of the movie, it's the worst kept secret, uh, and and it's not intended to be a huge secret. It's it's just like we want to get this out of the way because Star Wars is kind of they've already done that. And you know, to your point, JP, like we did the father revealed uh, thing that was clearly not thought about initially, but was just t you know put in there. Awkward making out sessions. Exactly. Yeah, we all know. We yeah. all know. So the whole Skywalker family situation was kind of an on-the-fly, like, okay, in this movie, he's his father, and in this movie, she's his sister, which just brings up a lot of things. Um, so I think... I, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think he knew that... I think we all... I think Lucas always knew that Vader was Luke's father. I don't think he always knew that Vader was Leia's father. That's, I, I mean, think, fair I think enough. that was the difference. Yeah, since he is really super cool about destroying his, you know, supposed daughter's uh, home planet at that point. So, right? Yeah, I think I think there's um, I think that was the the, the switch there. The I think tag that on was kind of the last minute thing. But. Yeah, but I mean, it just it just goes to show that I um, to to what Abrams and uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who is the the co writer of the script and everything, what they brought to this was uh, they're like, okay, we they're basically borrowing from all the best parts of the original trilogy. So you have elements of four, five, and six throughout force awakens. And I feel like that's so intentional on their part where they're like, look, we're going, you know, we're doing a star Wars movie. So we're going to take all the stuff that, you know, you know, pretty much worked from the, the original trilogy, the, the stuff that you love, put it all into this movie, which gives us free reign to like jump off from there. Um, so I, th I think that's why like episode eight will be the really interesting one to look at because not only is it the second one and, you know, Kasdan had that, uh, you know, the whole thing with empire, but at the same time, it is kind of them branching off. Like this will be them going, okay, we've done 
the Star Wars movie, the traditional one. We did A New Hope, essentially, beat for beat in terms of story structure. Um, took all the good stuff from, you know, Empire and some of the stuff from, from Jedi and everything. But now we're going to go and do our thing. We're going to see what, you know, Ryan Johnson can do with this, probably under the purview a little bit of Abrams. I, I mean, I would hope at this point. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think Abrams is regretting to some extent not rec- um, I think he's, so, he's, he's Yeah, I not being able to direct the next movie. Mm. Well, okay. I, I, yeah, I haven't seen that one, so I haven't read everything on the internet. Uh, but, but one of the fan theories, you know, the speculation is now running rampant about who Ray is because Ray's background is never, you know, really like um, explored all that much except when she has the Force vision and then her, uh, you know, and, and the whole, the attraction of Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber to her and her bringing it to Luke. So, I think that, I mean, that's intentional. They want you to speculate, but they're going to give you the answer in the second movie at the very least, or at least more of the answer <laughs> at this point. So. I mean, at least they're, like, well, and that, that's the one thing is, like, I mean, with, like, Luke, <laughs> and it's only because the, the only reason this thought even came into my mind, because at the time I was just like, oh, it's old man Skywalker. <laughs> He's so Ben Kenobi. Um, even outside of that was somebody just recently... Uh, some some young lady uh, from California who had never seen any of the Star Wars movies live tweeted her watching of all three of uh, four, five, and six, mm-hmm. and and some of it as a fan was like mild, was was mildly annoying, mm-hmm. and then other parts of it were funny. Um, but one of those was the fact that like throughout the whole thing, she basically talks about what a whiny bitch Luke is and how like he's so such whiny. a failure at everything why do people keep believing in and supporting him <laughs> and so like at the, the mention of that like i thought back to that scene at the end of, of the force awakens and i was just like wait a second let's back up he's looking real emotional he hermited himself on some planet because he couldn't handle it when shit got real mm-hmm. yet again <laughs> and he disappeared to, to go cry about it for 30 years well, at least we're consistent with the character. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, this is probably the one thing about the movies I have talked about the most for the last two weeks. Because, and I'm going to say this, and some people may agree with me, or some people may not, Finn is a dumbass. I don't like him. I don't enjoy him. He whines too much. He is he is what I think other people who watch the, the original trilogy now, for me, what they must think of Luke. Because he is just such a complainer. And yes, he does figure it out eventually. And really because he's just hot for the girl, not because he has some sense of heroism. Um, but I, I don't like Finn. So I'm sitting there and I, I, I don't like Finn. I, I'm, I'm hoping that Finn gets better. But at the moment, not so much. So I, I keep having this conversation about how much I dislike Finn and the fact that he's whiny. But so what Jane... James was just pointing out, which is absolutely true. The Star Wars films are founded on whiners. <laughs> the original trilogy is um, is Luke whining and uh, Han whining less, but even in his whining being more enjoyable than Luke. The, the new trilogy was the whiniest film. It's Yoda whining. It's it's Anakin, everyone in that movie whines at some point. And then we have Finn, 
who's just complaining the whole time. And let's face it, as much as I liked Kylo Ren, his little temper tantrums are a bit excessive. Oh, I loved his temper tantrums. They were so entertaining. (laughs) Well, and when I get to my whole issue with the entire Star Wars mythos in a minute, that'll make more sense. But I I agree. (laughs) Just the amount of whining that goes on in this movie, it's it's tough to bear, which is why, if we can go ahead and introduce the whole, like, Ray set of issues that are floating on out there okay oh, which is why i like ray jp one one second sean did you actually have a fan theory that you wanted to cover at some point or is this a oh i think there's like a lot of fan theories that we can cover okay like who thinks who's ray who is she guys take a pick <laughs> i think we should all bet on it and then find out who actually is right in a year or two from now okay well, well you you want to hold off on that we'll just like get through it and we'll we'll do that towards the end with ray yeah that's cool i also disagree with you about finn you're a monster, JP. <laughs> <laughs> he was super likable. That whole... It, it how does he not cut his toes off? Just tell me. How does he not cut his toes off? He pulls out a saber, and he whips it out, and how does he not slice his toes off? You I'm talking about him whipping it out, because people are going to get the wrong impression. <laughs> uh, I think he's Force-sensitive. I think he's a Force-sensitive person. That's fine, but that doesn't mean you can whip out a lightsaber just willy-nilly and start... Like, not I'm pretty even sure anybody can pick up a lightsaber in the right. Star Wars universe. Well, and, and that's the thing, though. Based on that, like, because I do, I that, that's one thing I, I think I run across with a lot of folks is, like, um, is that was one major complaint I came across with a few different people with Finn was, like, he just... He just turns on the lightsaber and he knows like like he's a fucking jedi now and he can just use it and i was like okay first number one um it's a lightsaber it's not powered by force it has an on switch so (laughs) literally anybody can use it number two like if we want to talk about uh capabilities of users with lightsabers you can go back to like the the Episodes one through three with Grievous. Grievous wasn't fucking force sensitive. He was a crazy robot motherfucker, and he was fucking killing Jedi left and yeah, fucking he was right. trained in Jedi arts. He was trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku. Well, isn't that just like that's just mostly forms and moves, right. isn't it? It's not like. But that's just it. Here's this dude who's literally was taken from birth, right? We, the, really, the the backstory we we get, we hear the least about is Finn's. And all we know is that Finn is taken from his family. And what I love about The Force Awakens is the fact that they managed to evolve the Stormtroopers again in such a clever way. Um, I loved that aspect of it. For those of you who don't know, now the Stormtroopers are essentially brainwashed children. Mm -hmm. They take the children from their family and they program them from from young age, much the same way the Jedi do the younglings in oh. earlier films. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, it's part of the so, fan speculation that the Jedi are the actual villains of the Star Wars universe. Well, I, look at there. So um, <laughs> there's so there's this whole sense of um, so so clearly he is very limited, right? Like Finn. That's that's supposed to be part of Finn's story. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he is able to overcome this programming and the limitations set to him, which I think was a good story. I just, it didn't, 
it took my analyzing it to get it. It just it didn't come across in the film the way I felt like it needed to. Mm-hmm. But I, my issue is you have this character that up until the point where he literally turns the lightsaber on, all he does is lie, cheat, and steal his way out of trouble. And he's complaining about it all the time. Like, he's never happy that he somehow manages to be the only guy in the history of the of the, the stormtrooper regime to kind of like be like, okay, I'm out. You, you bitches are crazy. I'm out, right? He, he's the only one who's able to do that. He, he just so happens to fall in with like the perfect group of people and end up right at the center of things, which is, you know, it just ends up being so whiny and complaining. And then he turns on this lightsaber and instantly goes from whiny little pain in the ass to like, I'm about to beat your ass. Like it's just, there's no character progression there. I'm I'm asked to accept too many things in that moment. Well, to your point, it was for the girl. He did everything for her. So when it came down to it, he turned the lightsaber on and became a badass because he was trying to protect her. And, there was just too much pointing at him, like, being a Force user. Like, why did Kylo Ren stop and stare at him when he, the, the village was on fire? He, like, just paused out of nowhere and just looked at him and then kept going. Like, what drew his attention? Hey, that, look, I, I would not I, – I'm not, I'm not arguing the fact that I think Finn is a Force-sensitive. I am fairly confident that Finn is Force-sensitive. I don't think that in itself – enables you to become a you know lightsaber wielding badass in a moment well he doesn't he doesn't become necessarily a badass he like i mean ma's basically like you know sticks it in his hand and she's like you have a weapon and he's i mean i think it goes back to the, the whole thing where people are like well finn and ray are too good at what you know things that are presented to them too quickly it's just like because everybody does that in every movie. Like, you know, every movie is full of people who are presented with, you know, ridiculous circumstances and yet somehow manage to work their way out of it and become badasses in the, you know, in the process. Um, so, I, I don't know, like, uh, you know, to your point about, you know, not, you know, Finn being a, a, a whiny uh, character and everything, it's like, is he supposed to stand there and be self-congratulatory that he got out of the for- First Order when he, all he wants to do is run away from them? Is he supposed to stand there on Jocka going like, you know what? I'm the first one who did that. I am so awesome. <laughs> like, I'm the no, first but- motherfucker on the moon! Yeah! <laughs> like, no, but some introspection would have been, you know, I, there, there's a narrative there, because we want, again, for those of you who are listening, we watch the film pretty much from Finn's perspective. Like, there's a few perspective changes, but from the for the most part, was that can you hear me? I think it's Ray and Finn. I don't think it's just Finn. Yeah, Ray, Ray I mean, I think yeah, that's I, part of the fake out of the movie itself, is that they're, they kept, you know, as, as much as Ray was on all the, the posters and everything, they kept it very, like, quiet as to what her role was in the movie, except for the, like, oh my god, who is Ray? And I think that they did a really good job of doing that fake out with, you know, oh, is Finn going to be the Jedi? Is Finn the Jedi? I mean, you can kind of see it coming as the movie progresses. I mean, they did some clever misdirection. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed all that. That that was good. I loved it. I, I love the fact that I love the fact that Ray and 
then are clearly connected to one another. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, I think there's a good story there because I think I, I believe that we're going to find there's more commonality in their upbringing than than maybe is initially um, initially sort of highlighted. But um, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, um, but I do. I think I think that was good. I I think there is there's an element of Finn wanting the girl that that really is supposed to allude to Luke wanting the girl. So Luke watching this video, and though he always wanted to be part of the rebellion, um, he watches this video of this princess and immediately is drawn to her. Right. So that's there's an illusion there that is um, an alluding to that is completely valid and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, there's, I want to like Finn. I want the whole time I'm sitting there. I want to like Finn and I just end up not liking Finn. So my hope is that the, the next two movies will fix that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, I think that they, set up Finn's character progression in a very interesting way. I mean, it's just, aside from the, you know, trying to fake you out as to who the Jedi, who the Jedi amongst them actually is, uh, like his going from, uh, I don't want to be a part of genocide, which if anything wasn't really explained very well, it was his defection. Like um, they do establish a, you know, a little bit later on that this is his first uh uh, offense in terms of individuality, basically, like uh, trying to get away from the programming. So we really don't know what led up to that unless they've covered it in the comics or the books or something like that. Um, but uh, so he goes from doesn't want to be a part of genocide to escaping with Poe, which was also, first of all, Foe and, you know, uh, Finn and Poe's relationship, their, their bromance is ridiculously awesome. <laughs> Like, they become friends in four minutes. Like, it took them less time to become friends than it took Obi-Wan and Anakin to actually, like, develop any kind of a relationship in the, in the prequels, so... I'm just saying, no, when you don't, you don't, right? When you're, well, there's that. And when you're also, you know, pressured to, like, uh, work together so you don't die, mm-hmm. um, that, that, can, that can change dynamics quite quickly. Well, in a... In a my, my cousin actually pointed this out, where, uh, I guess, in the book... They, in the novelization of the movie, they stress that uh, Finn was never given a nickname amongst his little uh, group of people or whatever. So he never had a name, really, beyond just FN2187, whatever. Uh, so when so when Poe calls him Finn, it's like, I got a nickname! Like, you know... Right, well, and, and, and it is that moment, like, I mean, and it does, it happens so quickly, where in that moment, it's like, you know, what's your name? And it's just like, uh, I don't have a name, they've always just called me, you know, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. and he's just like, no, I'm not calling you that. Uh, Finn, how's that for you? And you do, you you see the, the absolute elation in the moment on his face of like, Finn! Yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, just just um, even they're like, you know, hi Finn, I'm Poe Dameron. It's like, hi Finn, you know, hi Poe, it's nice to meet you. It's like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> and that's uh, <laughs> well. And let me let me say this. Let me say this. I do not know. Like, I still have this internal struggle whether my issue with Finn is John Boyega or the writing. Mm. No, I do I'm not yet know which it is i i can't i can't decipher and i'm gonna go watch the film again and i'm really gonna try to pay attention to do i not like finn because of john boyega's portrayal of finn or because of the actual writing now to to, hold on i just want to get i just want to get through finn's 
progression as I saw it. So, uh, so him and Poe, uh, like him being on Jakku, it's, it's very, it's, everything is about, uh, the circumstances of trying to get away. Like he, you know, Maz kind of points that out. He's a runner. He wants to get out because he's seen whatever carnage the, the first order has made him go through. And, uh, and, and so, Yes, a lot of his decisions are made around like either trying to impress Ray or just trying to like you know keep things uh, on the down low about his involvement as a stormtrooper or whatever. And but what, what I really love the most though is when they go to the uh, Star Killer base where Finn, you know Finn makes it seem like he knows how to take the the place down and everything. But when they get on there, it's like he works sanitation. You know his his whole thing is about like I just you know when he even says to Han, he's like I just want to get Ray back. Like he wants to save her like his intention is not really to even be a part of the rebellion which i find very interesting like he is at many times resisting like he doesn't want to be a part of anything he just wants to get away but he's pulled back in where he's like i you know he feels responsible for you know ray being captured in some way um and he wants to go and get her back it has nothing to do with trying to be the hero which i find interesting because cowardly characters you know in in the sense of who um uh, who Finn is are are kind of the exception. You know, he he has a very Han Solo vibe too, because Han left a lot. You know, he he left, came back, left, came back. Uh, so I just found that interesting in terms of like um, how they set him up. You know, when they get Ray back, and then you know with him getting injured, like how that's how he's going to develop going forward. I think is going to be interesting. And now I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, like I said, I want to like Finn, and I, I do think that there's some opportunity to fix what I don't like about Finn, because I can't in an entirety say what I don't like about Finn. I just I just know that when I watched it, I just kept thinking, man, this guy is so obnoxious. Um, to the point where it was distracting from the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what really did it for me. So again, I'm going to go watch it again because I am, I'm going to, I haven't taken the rest of my family to see it yet. <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to go see it again. And when mm. I watch it the next time, I'm going to really try to pay attention to that. Is it, is it me? Is it the writing? Is it John Boyega's portrayal of them? What is it? Because it, it doesn't seem to be. Like, I have some huge issues with the way Poe is written, and yet I still love him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's get in a little bit of, of Poe and Finn, since they are the first um, first two characters, first of the new characters to, to really interact with each other. Uh, so, uh, as I've already stated, I, I love the uh, Finn and Poe bromance. I think that it's the best romance in the entire trilogy, quite frankly. <laughs> In the, in the entire Star Wars saga, nothing has made more sense than Poe and Finn. <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in for that, too. <laughs> James? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like, I mean, even, so, I mean, the way they set up Poe, even before he meets Finn, um, is, is just such a perfect setup, because he's, he's a very, like, you get the feeling that this is a this is a guy who like obviously he's he's good at whatever it is he does um, because they tell us you know in the in, in the, the beginning role um, you know that this is you know Leia's best pilot mm-hmm. um, you know that she's got which is not what I thought initially at that role I was like oh it's Han yeah. and then it wasn't Han and I was like why isn't it Han mm-hmm. um, but yeah no like so from the get go um, I mean. 
Poe has this really um, vibrant energy about him. Um, you can tell he's he's a guy who kind of is a fly by the seat of his pants. I mean, he's he's like a lot of uh, really good pilots I've met, especially if they were like military pilots. Like they're they're I mean, they know they're good at what they do, and it's sh- it, it's a confidence that just goes through everything else that they do, and they're very defiant in that way. Um, and I mean, there's even that initial meet, oh my god, the perfect setup of comedy that like, I was just, like, I wasn't expecting from a Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. is that meeting he has with Kylo, and, like, Kylo, like, kneels down, and he's got the mask on, so he's, uh, and it's that line of just, like, uh, do, do you start talking? Do I, do I start yeah. talking? Yeah, <laughs> it's I, that, I that, that sense of um, vibrato that he has that, you know, if you don't, because, I mean, like, you know, JP was saying with the writing, especially like if you, you have those words and you don't have the right actor to bring those across, he could have been immediately the worst character. Right. Right. And so, I mean, the delivery and just that comedic uh, point there um, was so perfect to me. And like immediately I was, I was in love with the character. I was like, he's my kind of sarcasm. (laughs) Um, And so um, even, even his defiance against um, Kylo when, uh, Kylo's trying to pull the information from him, like, you're gonna tell me, um, you know, but none of our other techniques are working, and, and that constant, like, smart-ass defiance of, like, you know, well, maybe you're just, uh, maybe you need to turn your game up, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, he's just bleeding, and you can tell, like, he's just been through the fucking ringer, and he's still just to the end, um, to the point where Kylo literally has to kind of pull the information from his mind um, in order to, to, to find what he's looking for. Yeah, and, and so there, there is, there's that, there's that establishment of like these two characters. And I, I like the fact that it seems in directing JJ Abrams, cause I, I am a, I, I am a Boyega fan. Um, I loved like attack on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, like a, it's the only, I think the only movie I've seen Boyega in outside of this. And I was just like, Oh my God, this guy is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it, it was one of those where, um, even even in the the comedy that these two actors have available to them, like there's that brief space where he like takes him as a prisoner. He's just like, you know, I'm supposed to take him to Ren, and he's like, and he's like, oh okay. And so he like takes him, and he's just like, I this is a rescue operation, right? And he's just like, <laughs> he's like, oh okay. And he's just like, you need a pilot. I need a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and so like there there's an interesting recognition between the two characters just right off the bat Mm -hmm. um the fact that there is this nurturing partnership from the get-go like the second they get into the cockpit of the tie fighter um obviously like you know pose the experienced pilot this guy doesn't know shit he knows he knows the front end of a blaster but he doesn't know how to fucking shoot a turret on a fucking tie fighter yeah kylo Um, ren's tylo tie you know tie fighter as as far as i can tell because it's all black and shit (laughs) right and so it's it's that initial like like you know it's it's a lot like shooting a blaster you know uh this does this this does this you you, you get the concept and he's like uh i guess um no it's it's very luke and han in a new hope it's you know the here's the gunner you have to figure this out like Right. Well, and, and so, I mean, and there, there's even, you know, so, I mean, there, there's the whole relationship, the, 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 the naming uh, from Poe to Finn um, that, that's so dynamic. Um, the crash on Jakku, like, even there's that initial moment where, where, you know, Finn's left standing there in the sand. And he's got this down fighter and Poe is nowhere to be seen. And you see, like, 
that immediate panic, that immediate loss, like this was somebody I felt like I could trust and, and that I, I could be friends with. And now he's gone. Mm -hmm. Like he's just, he's gone. Um, and, and so there, there's that initial loss even from that. Um, but even on the re-meeting of the two characters, right? Like, it's so immediate in, like, the... The, the hug. The <laughs> hug, the fact that they're relieved that, you know, one another isn't dead. And, and even the, the whole moment where he's just like, hey, that's my jacket. And he starts taking it out. He's like, no, no, it suits you. Um, there are so many gifts now of that around the internet where you're just like... Oh, tell the whole world that I'm your... Tell the whole world that I'm your bro. <laughs> right? Um, well, and, and, and like I said, I mean, it goes back to that. From the beginning of their relationship uh just for this movie so far like they are they're, they're great friends um and and it is a very nurturing relationship between the two of them um one for which i hope it does produce a lot of character growth for finn in particular uh, because uh, i think that is such a thing with his characters he is a stunted individual because he's only ever known the first order he didn't have friends he had compatriots um, that were all programmed the same way he was. So these were just soldiers just like him. They were all programmed to take orders and do the same thing day in, day out. They never deviated from that. So as far as having friends, as far as knowing entertainment, as far as knowing camaraderie, as far as knowing, Jesus, the taste of a cheeseburger. Like, this guy didn't know anything. And this one guy, in as you said, in like four minutes, changed his whole world and perception of what, people could offer him mm -hmm. anyone else <laughs> sean um i thought that that relationship was you know adorable mm -hmm. uh, in its degree um i really liked poe i felt like he didn't get you know much screen time like captain phasma they were just kind of supporting characters i'm hoping that that opens up in the next two movies get a little bit more of their backstory although i feel the whole thing is going to be following more Finn and Ray, but uh, I thought they were, they were really cute together. I thought it was funny. Like, they just had this instant chemistry that you just believe they were friends. Mm -hmm. You were just happy to see them together. Um, and yeah, pretty much what James said. It was just the, you know, the look on his face when he couldn't find Poe and he finds just his jacket. Um, but realistically, I still think it was BB-8's relationship with everyone that was, you know, the the show stealer for me <laughs> the most adorable droid ever right just... well and because he was it was a droid that was really unexpected i think everybody went into this going oh they're just trying to replace r2 yeah i know it's like fuck this we all wanted to hate him we did hate him and we all ended up loving him yeah well and i think there was that real fear that it would turn out to be another jar jar binks kind of situation where you know they were they were i mean it's very interesting how uh force awakens kind of mirrors in some ways the hype that was put around um phantom menace like there was this idea of like oh my god another star wars movie like the first one we've had in so many years or whatever and you know it's being told and oh and these new characters that they're going to bring in and blah 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 uh what i noticed a lot was the kind of more subdued you know portion of the fandom around force awakens because after being burned so badly by the you know prequel trilogy we were just like okay we're all going to we all like the idea of bb8 i mean they've certainly presented him as something that we should love, but we don't know. We really don't know going into this. So it feels like uh, when you come out of Force Awakens and you're just absolutely in love with BB-8, you were just like, oh my god, thank you. Like, thank you so much that I actually have a character that, 
you know, was being advertised towards me that I should care about and I actually do care about towards the end. Right. Well, and I think what, what made that so, what, I mean, the, the huge thing, I think, at least for me, that made it so, so the, the character of BB-8 was so redeeming was the fact that um, every interaction he has with each person he meets is unique. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not, you know, just a standard, he's not like a standard astrodroid. It's not like, you know, um, an R2 relationship where R2's relationship isn't even so much with, like, each of the characters he, inter- he interacts with. It's, it's usually, like, Luke, um, or Anakin, or Obi-Wan. Like, it was all, it was always very specific, um, to who R2 was interacting with and kind of the, the hijinks, um, that, uh, were involved with R2. I just think uh, that R2 is the god of the Star Wars universe and no one's figured that out yet. Oh. Right, right. He seems to be involved so, in, like, everything. <laughs> well, and even, even BB-8's interaction to R2, like, was just this wholly unique interaction where it was just, like, you know, all you see is the sheet over R2 and, you know, he comes up and kind of, like, you know, bangs against R2 and, and, and then, you know, 3PO comes out and he's like, oh, you know, good good luck getting him to, to wake up. He, he's kind of just been shut down for 30 years because, you know, he's it, almost like a sad dog. Like his master went away and now he's just waiting for him to come home. Um, and so, I mean, every interaction, like his, his first interaction with Poe, his first interaction with Rey, and the fact that he is immediately redeeming with every single character he meets, like from the moment where like the, the seller for me, the moment of the sell of the, of, of BB eight for me, where I was just like, I love this fucking droid. Um, was, I was, huh? The lighter's thumb up. Thumb <laughs> it was the lighter's thumb up. <laughs> it's just like, like the second he like gives him thumbs up, it's like, I was just like, done, sold, best character. <laughs> It's like, I love you, BB-8, never leave me. <laughs> Give that droid an Oscar! <laughs> <laughs> well, that would that would have been... Trying to get him to, like, tell her. He's like, yeah, tell her. And, he, and then, like, BB-8 looks at Ray, and then he looks at Finn, and he, like, looks back at Ray because he has no idea what he's doing. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, this guy doesn't say anything, but, man, acts like a Oscar winner right there. Well, and, and it's it's really, it's it's good because they, they also knew when to not use him. It's not like, they didn't put BB-8 in every situation. Like, th- that became the issue with R2 after a while, where it's like, R2, R2 just happens to be everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the lockpick, the fucking, like, electro-volt magnet. He's got everything. Exactly. He was, he was the escape card. Yeah. You can always he, just call in, call in good old R2 and he'll get you out of any jam. Deus Ex R2, you know, so with with BB-8, he, he, he has a specific function, you know, we're, we're doing essentially the same, like, oh, we need to find this droid on this desert planet again, um, but his involvement in everything is very, is also limited, which I think is, is what you need to do, because you also need to focus on these other new characters, and you don't want to Jar Jar situation where he just idiotically falls into saving the day in Phantom Menace or whatever. <laughs> So just not Poe or Captain Phasma, as yeah. Sean pointed out. We're we're not going to focus on them at all. We're just going to throw them in there when it's convenient, and then pull them out when it's not. I so yeah, I know. I Captain Phasma for me was the biggest disappointment. Like Poe was at least likable, um, likable enough where you're like, okay, I feel like they're going to explore him more possibly in the next movie. I mean, if you think about it, we didn't know much about Han in A New Hope either. 
you know, and and really throughout the entire trilogy, we don't know much about Han. So, I don't know. Poe seems to be set up as the next Han Solo type character, but I feel like they might, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> like, add some stuff to him. But Poe? Ca- Go ahead, sorry. I'm just saying, Captain Phasma, for all the, here's all this merchandise for Captain Phasma, and she's presented as this badass, and, and the fact that they have Gwendolyn Christie, who's Brienne of Tarth in, in Game of Thrones, playing her. Like, there was this build-up to this character, like, she was going to be awesome, and she turns into the next Boba Fett. Like, she has no real reason for being there except to be another visual, um, kind of like, uh, uh, Yes, uh, I don't know. You know, she's just this like person who's there, gives some information, and then just you know whatever. I don't know. Like she's for me, she's the biggest disappointment. I really wish that it had been her fighting um, Finn outside of the temple. Like if she had been the one shouting traitor and had like the uh, the the um, le- the uh, lightsaber blocker thingy or whatever, that oh, would have yeah, been electric baton. Yeah, because that dude who was, you know, actually he's fighting him, it was... Yeah, like, he's just like, traitor, like, I'm gonna fight you, like, who the hell are you? Why should I care? Like, if it had been Phasma, like, that would have made way more sense, because at least it would have given her something to do, you know, other than be captured and give in to dropping right. the shield on the Starkiller well, that, that was one of those small moments where, like, Poe's interaction with her, right, when they capture her and he's just like, and, you know, he has his bravado moment of, like, that's right, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. Mm. And, like, that would have had more depth beyond humor to me um, if we had seen her ever at any point else in the movie, like, prior to him, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, walking away from the First Order. Um, of her being like this really um, omnipotent president presence in his in his life, where it's just like she was always giving him orders and like watching him over his shoulder and shit. And that's not really there. Like, there's the one interaction that they have where uh, you know he, he took his helmet off and she basically calls him on it. And it's just like, did somebody say you could take that off? Mm-hmm. No. All right, go to report to you know go go you know turn your blaster in for inspection and and do this and it was just like and then her mention of like i saw him things seemed okay i sent him in for conditioning and that was it and it was just like i don't really get that she's like an omnipotent force in his life at the very least she should have done something when they were on jakku and were tearing you know were burning the village down like she should have done something that would have you know uh shown what not only what she, uh, how badass she is in terms of just being a villain, but then like how she interacts with Finn. Like, you know, we get we get that look of you know Finn with the blood on his um, on his helmet, which is still visually striking and really awesome. But he's looking at Kylo. But there should have been a moment between him and Phasma on Jakku early on, so that we kind of understand, you know, how uh, how their relationship actually works or something. So, <laughs> so my 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 thing about Phasma is this. I get the feeling that she is supposed to provide the example of what Finn is has fought against. Like, her almost unthinking, unblinking, just go with whatever she's told, and almost lack of personality is supposed to prov- provide contrast so that we can understand Finn's what it what it means that Finn has broken out of this program, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is 
it's not the story's not told well enough. It's there if you pay attention, if you if you really kind of give it a minute to sink in. It's just it's not given to us in a way that a normal audience would be able to consume. And I really think it's because to to the points all of you have made, Phasma is so poorly utilized, and there is not that moment of. I think they try to do it a little bit um, when she's getting sort of berated about who is this guy and you know what was going on um and she's like well i'll go have him reprogrammed i'll take care of that right away um but it just it doesn't come across very well but i think that was the intent i and again i go back to the thing i started the conversation about where when you watch this movie you have to understand that jj is a true and honest fanboy and so there are things that he does in this film that i think he's trying to pay tribute to in earlier films and phasma for me is part like ultimate stormtrooper part a little bit of you know, we need that side villain kind of throw in there the way that Jabba is thrown in there early on mm-hmm. and maybe gets developed later into something valid, particularly for Finn, because I think she's supposed to be his antithesis. Um, but it, it's just not, it just doesn't come across. It falls, it ends up falling flat. But I do think there was intent there. Well, I mean, yeah, you could say that about pretty much the entire movie. That There's definitely... There's a lot of stuff that's left um, ambiguous, either intentionally or not intentionally, you know, just in terms of the um, editing and everything, which I guess there's like some 20 different deleted scenes or something like that, that hopefully will maybe either be added in or filmed or something like that, because it would be interesting to see the, I feel like the director's cut, like how much they cut for time and, and whatnot, even though this movie is what comes in at what, two, is it two hours or two and a half? It's just um, over two, I think. Just over two, yeah. okay. So I feel like there's definitely stuff that was cut out for you know timing reasons that would have been interesting, or at the very least, stuff we could look at and go like, hey, this would have been good for the movie. <laughs> like You could have right. put that back well, in. And it's one of those where, where so I mean, I, I just watched um, something that recently uh, started kind of coming up on, a face, on, on Facebook. Uh, George Lucas recently did a interview. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, and so the interview, like, I watched it because I was curious uh, at the time, like, because initially, like, I saw just something on Facebook and it was just, like, interview with George Lucas and how he feels Star Wars. And I was just like, oh, this should be good. So <laughs> I decided to watch it. And a lot of it was just like, like, man, if I didn't like George Lucas before, that interview just solidified it. I was just like, God, you are just a smarmy son of a bitch, aren't you? Um, but. One of the things he said, because it was the thing he didn't like um, with what this was, was they wanted to make a movie that played to the fans. Like, they wanted to make a movie for the fans. Mm-hmm. And and it was one of those where I was just like, yeah, but let's look in hindsight. Like, George Lucas's whole thing was, I want to make movies that I would enjoy. That's what the Star Wars franchise started off for him as, was mm-hmm. I want to make this movie because I feel like this is something I would like to watch. Um, well, because he was a fan of, of Flash Gordon, he was a fan of a lot of those old uh, right. sci-fi serials and movies. The same with Indiana Jones, that was him and Steven Spielberg, like, we love old, you know, 30s and 40s adventure serials, so let's let's recreate that on screen. Right, and so, 
And so that was his thing, and that's why he wasn't a fan of, like, making something for the fans. Because he's never wanted to make anything, Star Wars or otherwise, for his fans. He just wants to make whatever he wants. And if people like it, great. If not, suck a dick. Um, Like, that's kind of his general stance. Is that on his business card? (laughs) God, I hope so. (laughs) So it was one of those where, like, the fact that he was so against it, and now seeing how successful this, this movie has been, um, as as JP so shared before we started this, uh, an article just typed up as of today, $1.5 billion mm-hmm. in 19 days. Disney literally has made back like almost half of what they bought the LucasArts, like Star Wars and everything franchise for. Mm-hmm. Like, With um, the caveat that it doesn't open in China until the January 9th. For a moment, and realize that it is going to surpass every movie that has ever been made without even opening in China yet. Right, and And so, so the big thing was, I mean, coming back to how betrayed fans, like hardcore fans of the original trilogy, were um, those of us uh, who like the (laughs) the prequels to us were like, this is our Star Wars, and then it wasn't, and it was horrible. Um, it was clear, like, with the success of this movie, um, the fact that they did do this for the fans, they, like, I think Abrams went into this with a very clear image in his mind going, man, people hated what Lucas made for them, and they're gonna feel really jaded, they're not gonna want to watch a Star Wars movie if they don't think it's gonna be good period we have to play to the fans on this one we have to and and that's why like i can totally agree when a lot of people are like uh, one uh, uh, a place i was writing for uh they posted an article and i got really angry when i read it uh because they're a bunch of little millennial bastards um so um i was just like not uh, and i'm sorry for those listening if you are one of those millennial bastards i don't mean it against you personally i mean you're practically one of those millennial bastards hey hey Hey, we had a discussion about this, me and Sam. Don't don't go there, JP. Um, <laughs> you're pretty much yeah, Sean's the youngest of this group, so he's a technically uh, a millennial. <laughs> no. So it was one of those where, um, I mean, yeah, pay, <laughs> did he pay tribute? Yes, but was this movie very reminiscent in many, many ways to A New Hope? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Um, yeah. I mean, it's obvious. You can see it, like, if you've watched A New Hope. I think it's a better telling of that story, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with that. Um, but it, it is one of those where, um, yeah, no, that nostalgia had to be hit on. It, it, it had to to bring all of us back into the fold to see what's going to happen with these other movies. And so I think that's why we come back to like where there were all the like plot holes in this movie. Um, and there's all these things like characters like Phasma. Um, because again, when you got Brienne of Tarth who the shit out of out of the hound and one like let her hit somebody else in the face in a star wars movie please or at the very least have her take her helmet off so we know it's actually her under there <laughs> right. it's like she's just her um, voice anyone could have literally been in that suit and i'm pretty sure they were <laughs> right and so so yeah i mean it's one it's one of those i'm hoping that this movie was just that like they really did play to nostalgia and that's not going to be the continuing trend. Like, we are going to have a little bit of nostalgia here and there, um, just because I think that's going to be fan service to make uh, 
to keep people happy throughout each of the next two movies. Mm-hmm. But I really think like this was just kind of their springboard. Like we need to bring people back into the fold and get them interested. And now we can kind of tell our story in the Star Wars universe. And and I'm man, I hope it's I hope it's good. I want it to be good. With what they delivered in fan service from this, like I mean it it gives so much promise and hope. A new hope, perhaps? Uh, ah. Okay. Okay. So on that point then and I'm gonna go be a bit of a hypocrite, mm. what is the story you want them to tell? What is the story? Oh, as far as as far as like, what is the story you want them to tell? Man, should we go to Sean? Because I know Sean's itching at the bit. Yeah, let's let's oh. let's go to Sean. <laughs> oh shit! Um, <laughs> he's like, there's so many things. I uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot that I would like to. See. Sean, I'm warning you. If you don't step up now, I'm gonna start talking. Oh shit! <laughs> well, that way. Um, I would really like to see. Um, I mean, realistically, if you look at the the Star Wars, it's all about love, realistically. The trail, the first trilogy is about, like, love between a man and a woman, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or love between a man and a fine cigar. <laughs> then the second one was family, son and, uh, son and father. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see them tell, like, a, a proper love story between Finn and Rey. I think we've started down that. We've It starts with both their perspectives. Those are the two main characters. Um, I would like to see that intertwine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to really see an exploration of how powerful Rey is, because she seems to have a knack for a lot of the Force powers out there that you could possibly have. Um, so I would really like to see how that goes, because she's pretty fucking badass in this movie. I would lo- really like to see where they take her, specifically. Mm-hmm. James? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, same thing. Like, I really, I really like the character of Rey. I've, I fell in love with the character from, from the moment that Finn grabs her hand to start running and she's like, let go of my hand. Oh my God. I love um, the turnaround on that. It's so, uh, the, oh, and, and, I mean, the second that happened, I was just like, I'm sold. I'm sold for this character because that, that is always the, the thing. It's like the strong female, you know. How, how do we get out of Leia-ism in the Star Wars universe? And Rey is the answer to that. Um, <laughs> well, you don't have that many female characters to really, like, base anything on in the Star Wars universe, right. so Rey was um, kind of like, oh my god, there's another one! Yeah, no, I mean, I really, so I definitely I definitely want to see more out of that character, um, kind of as Sean said, how how powerful is she, really? Um, how is she going to develop that, that power? I mean, obviously... Um, I want to see uh, what Luke's training method is. Um, if it's just whining and bitching at her to be better, or <laughs> if it's actually like teaching her to do things. <laughs> Lift uh, it harder! <laughs> harder! God! Uh, I mean, he got right on her back time. through, you know, a swamp. Like, so. <laughs> on your back through the beaches. <laughs> the hidden swamp that is on that weird island. <laughs> God, let it try! Come on! I told you, I can't try! <sighs> There's only uh, trying. Uh, God. <laughs> I really want to see. So, so I know there's a lot of people who like really complained in a lot of ways about Kylo Ren. I really enjoyed Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Uh, oddly enough, like it was like so. A lot of people was just like, God, the I temper tantrums. Like, what are you fucking twelve? 
Um, so much of it is like the conflict within because there's these small moments where it's like he's talking to the mask of his grandfather and he's making the statement that, you know, he he needs to find the darkness. He needs his help because he's feeling the pulses of the light. And I mean, there's so, there's so many like theories out of that alone that my mind went to. I was was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. um, but even outside, like if I just dash all that to shit, I really want to see the conflict that is there. Cause I mean, it's really clear. And I mean, just with the little thing that, um, and I do appreciate JP because I tend not to read a lot of, uh, the books that are out there. I don't think I've read a single star Wars book in my life. Um, so he had shared a link that kind of talked about, uh, some specific things that are talked about in the books that kind of fall into the movie. Um, and so, I mean, it's one of those where I really want to see like in the next movie, um, if he is conflicted or not over the fact that like, like did Han's death actually do something for him or has it just made shit worse in his life for him? Well, um, and that that's what is very intriguing about the next movie because of where things are left off like with uh Kylo and Rey are both going to be going through training basically and right. the i mean essentially i mean it's, it's like a rocky, but in star wars universe <laughs> <laughs> but it it's it's just it's an interesting like how they've set up that juxtaposition i mean the obvious symbolism of the chasm that separates them towards the end and then just the idea that, you know, Supreme uh, Leader Snoke is going to complete Kylo's training after he's, you know, wasted his own father. And then Rey going towards the uh, the light side master of, of Luke looking very Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish. Um, you know, just that I think that that's what's going to make the make or break the next movie is we really need to see not only just the juxtaposition of these two characters, but also what does the force provide in terms of dark and light side? You know, is it, because one of those things about the Star Wars universe that does trouble me is always this, like, dealing in absolutes. It's the, you're either so good that you're over here and have no feelings, or you're so bad and you have all the feelings, you know? Well, and I was trying to get away from Death Planets. Um, <laughs> that was probably my, my my only other like large critique in my own head is I was just like okay so really the original the original again guys we made we made a Death Star that got blown up and then we made another Death Star that also got blown up so what you now thought, we made if it. we made it bigger and we made instead of a two meter exhaust port we just made a giant fucking panel that they know is the weakness look like all empires like hitler (laughs) no (laughs) like you know uh napoleon thought it would be a good idea to attack russia in winter and then hitler was like oh no no i have a better plan i'm going to attack russia in winter and Yeah, so I, I just see this as them doing the exact same thing, only thinking that they're going to do it better, and then it turns out, no, we're making the same stupid mistakes. At the end of the day, Kylo really does have a Napoleon complex. He really does. <laughs> so, what I really like about Kylo is that the whole movie was, you know, this movie's coming out, and it's like, this villain can't be as good as Darth Vader. Like, this this villain is not going to be Darth Vader. Like, everyone's looking at him, when you first see him, you're like, oh shit. This guy looks like Darth Vader, and they're like, "Is he ever going to be as good as Darth Vader?" And the whole point was that he was like, "He's literally he's worried. coming. He's he's literally worried that he's not going to be as good as Darth Vader." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
he's like a cosplaying fanboy of Darth Vader. That's it. Which is um, amazing because it's his grandfather, first of all. And right. like, you know, I liked Adam Driver. Like, I thought it was like he did a, a really, really good job. Kind of tormented young kid. Like, I know he's not a kid, but it's just mm-hmm. like seems that he's kind of grown up, fucked up a little bit. And, well, just in terms so, of the training, like in terms of like how I guess in. Uh, at when him and Han meet up on the catwalk, which is, again, so it's like, why don't they have railings? Why does no one make railings on these starships? Why, why, why are there railings everywhere but this single bridge over the chasm? Yeah. There should, be, there should be railings. There are no railings. Well, they, they, the safety inspector no. failed! <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? So Kylo, I know I threw it out there about the temper tantrums, but I agree with everything being said because... And Sam sort of opened it up. Mm-hmm. Here's my issue with the entire Star Wars mythos, right? Oh, <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I gotta get there because it's the only time I'm gonna be put it on the internet. Podcast into two parts, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so, Very possible. Here's the thing, right? And I'm actually, I'm gonna go back to the trilogy we don't like talking about. Mm. But there, I read an article. I shared it with you guys. Um, I'll, I'll. I'll reference the guy because I I don't agree with everything he says, but um, if you go and I don't know, Sam, you can put the link. Um, there's a guy who writes this article on Games Radar and he makes a very valid point. Oh, I really enjoy this about the prequels, about the perfect prequel yeah. theory. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so okay. the issue with the prequels is we all watched them and we hated them. And we were so busy hating them, we stopped watching them at some point and paying attention to the fact that George Lucas accidentally writes a really good story in that um, my problem with the mythos has always been, and this is partially Lucas's fault, that the Jedi are functionally without emotion. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, they become almost fascist in their order. And yet they're always with the democratic republic type government system mm-hmm. and meanwhile the sith or the dark side users because they're not all sith anymore i guess um are those who embrace their emotions and use that to power their it actually in their um their what you would call it their like green lantern core type saying <laughs> um credo that credo there you go mantra motto that um you know, my emotion powers fuels my power. My power fuels my ability to win, to be victorious, to be my own freed thing. And yet they always end up in the fascist, you know, totalitarian regimes. Mm-hmm. And my issue with the mythos has always been, it doesn't make sense to me. And the Skywalkers, and, and this is why I like Kylo. I can read it, I have it if you want to hear it. Huh? The credo or the code? If, if, yeah, you can. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall free me. So, in when you stop and you look at that, why is the Skywalker family so important to to, to the to the um, galaxy? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about what the the force the the pro- 
prophecy of the force is supposed to say. It is supposed to be that someone will come who will bring balance to the force. The problem is, is that everyone has a different opinion of what balance means. The Jedi me- believe that balance means that there are no longer a, there is no dark side. It's just the light side. <laughs> and the Sith believe that there is no light side. There's only the dark side. And yet, what happens with Anakin is that he gets presented this problem and the problem is but i'm not one or the other i'm both Mm -hmm. and i see both and i see all these terrible things that the sith do and i also see all these terrible things the jedi do like taking young children and sticking you know lasers in their hands and having (laughs) them go at each other um and leaving like slaves on planets because we just don't have time to deal with those people yeah um you know, so we have this interesting dichotomy that goes on, and the problem with Anakin is that he ends up choosing a side, right? He can't acknowledge both sides. He he falls into the side, and and that that becomes his defining character. Mm-hmm. Where with Luke, the whole reason why Luke is the greatest Jedi who ends up ever living, who brings balance to the Force, is that he acknowledges his dark side. As a matter of fact, in the beginning of um, episode six, he like force chokes out two people. <laughs> <laughs> like he seriously full on like Sith power mode, right? Yeah. And yet he ends up choosing the light side. And the story I hope that they tell, the story that I hope they get around to telling, is that balance the force, though Lucas would would not ever want us to believe it is really not about the light side or the dark side. It's about particularly Skywalker's family's ability to acknowledge their dark side and still choose the light side. And in the novelization of the movie, which I'm, I have not read in its entirety yet, but I think is really important for those of you who really want to dive into this. Mm -hmm. The moment where, where Kylo essentially to what to the audience seems like causes a killing blow to Finn and Ray has to step up in that moment. She has to accept who she is. And she has to take on her power. Right. The moment that we all kind of say, Oh, it came so easy to her. Um, in that moment, first of all, she does two things that are really important. The first is she doesn't immediately pick up the lightsaber and go after Kylo. She stops and she makes sure Finn's okay. She caresses him in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then she turns to to take on Kylo. That's really important because in the moment she doesn't let her emotions of hate and anger overwhelm her in the way it does Anakin when his mother dies. And the way it even does Kylo in the beginning in the first scene of the film where he's just like, kill the whole village because fuck these people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second thing, and this is kind of more explained out in the novelization, is in the moment when she is beaten, Kylo, and she's hovering over him with this lightsaber in her hands and could just kill him, end him in that moment, which actually crosses her mind. We don't see it in the film. It's kind of, there's a moment there, but it's not inherent in what we're watching. Um, she chooses not to kill him. She acknowledges that she could. She acknowledges the benefit of killing him but chooses not to. And that's supposed to be her choosing the light side. Mm -hmm. But I hope what 
the story they end up telling is that the reason why Luke leaves, the reason why he fails, is that the guy we see at the very beginning of the movie that Max von Sydow plays, mm-hmm. essentially he and Luke tried to bring back the Jedi Order. In doing so, they acknowledge the flaws in the Jedi Order and the fact that it doesn't really acknowledge both the good and the bad, the passion and the emotion and the not. And instead, they end up, you know, causing Ben's um, Ben's betrayal in the same way the Jedi Order really caused Anakin's. And ultimately, it's through Rey, Luke finally gets it right and creates an order that isn't solely about the absence of emotion or the complete, you know, embracal of emotion. But it's about that controlled sensibility that truly brings balance to my decision making, to my ability to react to, to emotion, my ability to react to what's going on around me, and creates a truly the balanced side of the force. Hmm. No, the, uh, again, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons why I genuinely enjoy this movie, like uh, as much as I do, is because what it gives us is potential, like. Uh, where, you know, the speculation never doesn't bother me because it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. It's fun to speculate. And at the same time, there's so many possibilities now. Like, I feel like there's, you know, there's been this great resurgence in Star Wars fandom because this movie opened up doors that we didn't realize were, were closed to us, I, I feel like. Like, um, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but it, it just feels like there's there's more opportunity now. Sure. Um, and I will say that part of the, um, I was reading an article recently where they were saying that part of the, uh, reason that the star, that force awakens has made so much money is also repeat viewings by women and people of color, which is, uh, also an amazing thing because, you know, we have a, a, a black man and a, and a woman are basically the, the two main characters of this movie, you know, in a, essentially in a world that is mostly like white guys, <laughs> And let's totally cross our cross our hands that we got an LGBT character in there because yeah. I'm totally thinking Poe is. Oh my god! If yeah, if if if, if they ended up doing like Poe po and Finn, if that ended up being the romance of the trilogy, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Or if Poe just ended up being a queer character, that would be great too. I mean, again, opportunities are there that weren't there before you know, at, at this point. And that's, I think that's the the best part of what this movie has, has really given to the fans, you know, not just the nostalgia trip, but also just like, hey, it's okay to love Star Wars again, guys. <laughs> it's like... Also, um, well, and there were so many things that, like, came under fire immediately, like, when we saw, like, even just first shots of the movie. And, and the, the, one, the one that stuck out the most for me is somebody who works with uh, weapons and swords and things like that. It was it was the big criticism on Kylo Ren's lightsaber, the fact that it had like a cross guard. And they're like, the fuck kind of good is that going to do? That That's absolutely pointless. That makes no sense. You would never have that. Like, why? Why? Other than like a purely aesthetic reason. And I was just like, and then the second that happened, like that he's fighting with, um, with Finn. And then like, there's, there's the, there's the the beat with the swords where they're 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 deadlocked into each other, mm-hmm. and he turns the saber. Oh in my the god! Head and shoulder. Like I was like, "There's the use. Fuck all of you." <laughs> like, 
<laughs> There's also the sense of like it's a fantasy sci-fi world. Get over it. It's it's magic space sword. <laughs> Nothing needs to make sense. These are space wizards. Come on. <laughs> well, and and so I, I really do want to get into one of the things that has also been talked about, you know, a lot about this movie is the death of Han Solo. So, um, you know, we're also we again we're we're all kind of in that generation that we grew up with the films, but we also didn't watch them as they were coming out. So. I don't know what was your guys' attachment to Han Solo as a character, and how did you feel when he died? And uh, Sean, I want to start with you. Um, well, realistically, when he starts walking on that goddamn plank that has no railing, of so course, yeah. Just Again, like, I mean, yeah, everyone was like, "Oh, like my friend Ross who was sitting next to me, he was like, oh no, oh no.'" And you're like, "Yeah, like you know what's gonna happen." <laughs> can't stop watching yeah He's just picking up the red shirt and sliding it on <laughs> uh, um i mean we all know that he didn't want to survive after empire strikes back harrison ford didn't want to come back as han solo yeah and lawrence kasdan is the writer of empire so you've got that going for you too <laughs> yeah um so i wasn't surprised i was like if anyone's gonna die i would feel like han like i would feel harrison ford would push for his character to be the one that dies um it was a cool storyline beat when, because you know the whole like he's his father and you know he's a step into the dark side that's killing him. And if you've read the books JP has spoken about, it talks about how he feels weakened after it. Um, and before he gets shot by Chewbacca, he has this moment of um, worry and fear, I guess you could say about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it was. I think it was like a good way to send off the character. Um, I didn't understand when they all arrived back on base. Leia walked like right past Chewbacca and hugged Ray instead of Chewbacca. Hmm. I was like, "Yo, it's <laughs> like just you've known Chewbacca for how long? <laughs> that friend just died, and you're Sorry, like you big hairy dog. I yeah. love a girl. <laughs> like your husband. I don't know if they got married." But, I think they did get yeah, married, but... Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of threw me as odd. But no, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. I thought it uh, had its effect to get that gasp out of everyone in the theater. Because, mm-hmm. George knows, when I was in the theater, it happened. So, I thought it was, uh, it was well done. Jason? So, yeah, I, um, I believe that Harrison Ford wanted it to happen. Oh yeah, was going to. He was going to. It was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the the part I love about it is the emotional moment that it creates. Um, and again, I I think Adam Driver was fantastic. And though we know what's going to happen, we still feel an emotional connection to it. The story I like to tell is when my wife was pregnant, I took her to see Cats, <laughs> and I've never been in a place where people started sobbing and crying and at that moment in memory when you know she gets selected right mm-hmm. well it, it in the theater it had that similar moment like it was the only other time that it's been like that where you immediately hear everyone in the, the theater start sobbing just a little bit right yeah tears in our eyes so emotionally it was fantastically done i think um from a story standpoint it was a little forced Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because Harrison Ford wanted to die. He did not want to make any more films. He was out. It needed to be done. I also think that's why Kylo Ren is not a double agent. Why 
there's no, you know, Han's going to be back in episode eight. He, he wanted to be done. And this was his way of being done. And um, so even though it's kind of forced in terms of a plot point, it's well written and delivered in such a way that it's an emotional moment. And I think that works. James. Um, so I, I'm an emotionless robot. Um, it's one of those, like, I mean, I felt it like deep down to my core because I do love the character. And every time I've, I've talked to my friends, like I like to talk to big talk and be like, I'd be Sith. I'd kill people. I'd kill younglings. <laughs> I'd do it. Um, I'm going to kill all the younglings. <laughs> right, right. Um, but really, the honest-to-God truth of it is, at the end of the day, like I just had this uh, conversation with my wife and uh, our friends Tiff and Carlos, and uh, I was just like, it's just so much fucking work to be a good guy or a bad guy. It's so much easier to just let shit happen and work around it as it does. <laughs> I was like, I'm... I'm so, I'm so a Han Solo. Um, and, and, and me and my wife, like, honestly, our relationship has always been very much that I love you. I know. <laughs> um, it's always been that way. Um, and so for both of us, really, like, Han is a character that we were both very attached to. We really liked. Uh, the wife did cry. <laughs> She's sitting there next to me. Like, she was trying not to let me hear, but I heard the... <laughs> I was just like... And then, like, we got out, we get home. I was like, you cried for Han, didn't you? And she was like, yeah. I had a tear. Went down my face. I didn't even wipe it away. That one was for Han. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but it was, it was, it, uh, I, I agree with all points made. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt, I felt like, um, you know, the scene was what it was. I think, yeah, from a writing standpoint, yeah, Harrison Ford was, was like, I love you guys, and this was a huge part of my career, but God, I'm old and I want to be done, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, kill him, just do it. Um, not to mention all the travesties that happened to this man, like, in making this movie, like, mm-hmm. broken ankle, like, fucking crashed his plane, like, you know what, just give him a break. Yeah. Um, well, I think they, literally. They, did a good, <laughs> they did a good job of, um, of, of utilizing him, I think, in the movie itself, like... I mean, especially with the older cast, I mean, Han is the most prominent character featured, which should have just been, like, the the first sign where, like, oh, man, he is so gone. Like, uh, because Luke Luke doesn't say anything and just shows up in the last, like, 30 seconds of the film. And, and Leia, I really feel like there was more to her part in the movie, but they cut it out for time. Um, and they, they really needed to establish Han and get that kind of, like, mentor figure sort of going with Rey so that the emotional impact is felt a bit more on the catwalk when he's going up against his son. Um, that being said, like, I was one of those gaspers in the um, in the theater because even as I saw it happening, as I you can, I mean, you see it coming a mile away the second he sets, you know, foot on that catwalk and everything. And he's just like, you know, just him shouting, Ben, you know, like that whole thing, you know, you see it coming, you see it coming, but they do such a good job of like playing it out. Like, you know, something's going to happen, you know, it's going to happen, but you don't know what exactly is going to happen, you know? And with the light going out from the sun, because the Starkiller base is drawing out the, the light from the sun, and then you just see that red light go over Kylo, you know? 
Like it's so it's so well done in terms of like the cinematography and the direction and everything. And so that when that lightsaber like shoots off and right through his heart, I mean, you mean symbolism, you know. <laughs> Like when that happens, I mean, I was just like, <gasps> you know, and, and when he falls and everything, I mean, they did a good job of setting up the scene for what it was. Does it have exactly the amount of impact you want it to have within the story? Not as much, but um, at at the very least, I do wonder if they might bring him back in episode eight as like a force, go- no, not a force ghost, but if Kylo is going through his training, if he sees visions of his father at some point, I would be interested to see if that plays out because if he's conflicted you know him killing his dad is kind of a big deal so well and it's like i mean and and i do like i i like the fact that they han solo for for who han solo is i mean he's uh you know i mean he's an old guy and it was one of those where it was like how much more can you really do with han solo at this point Mm -hmm. in terms of the movie like is he just is it just going to be classic han um, which I mean, Con. really, I mean, in many ways he was, but at the same time, they did explore like a whole lot of different things, especially in like the dynamics between like him and Chewie and like each of those characters individually. Um, I mean, I feel like as, as we kind of mentioned earlier, um, in the original, uh, trilogy, they're, they're really like Han's there, but he's not like the most prominent character and you don't really get a lot on him. Uh, he doesn't have a, an absolute uh, ton of lines or anything like that. Um, and so it's just kind of like, well, we all love Han for who Han is. He has those great one-liners um, and everything like that. And and this was very much still expanding on a lot of that. I mean, the fact that, like, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, come to think of it, he never used Chewie's Boltcaster. Not at once. Um, and then, like, in this movie, like, he uses the gun. Like, it's the first time he's ever shot something with it. He's like... I like this. <laughs> I figure, like, they've probably been, like, palling around for, like, 50 years at this point, and he never picked up the bowcaster and was like, right. I'm going to use this weapon. <laughs> right. Um, you know, um, the fact that uh, even Chewie himself, like, there's that moment when, um, I, I especially liked when they're when they're at the, the rebel base, and Chewie's getting looked at by the medic or whatever in his arm, and he's <laughs> clearly, like, talking about his experience and how... You know, he was he was trying to be really brave, and you know, people were shooting at him, and the doctor's just like, "Yes, I'm sure you were very brave." Like, oh yeah, sounds yes. like a very scary experience. I love that. <laughs> so good. Well, and, and Chewie is really like because after he gets after after Han gets uh, stabbed through the heart with a lightsaber by his own son, and then falls off the off the non railing, you know, OSHA sanctioned. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's Chewie's reaction that is really like the gut buster because it's just like you just hear it. Like that whole, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's on the level of, like, a a wolf that loses its mate kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Where it's it's that cry. Yeah, and then he just, and just the shooting of Kylo Ren with the bolt bolt caster, and you're just like, oh, shit. Like, immediate fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and that's one of those things where I think um, Star Wars has to, uh, Disney and and JJ have to figure out how to make certain things come across. Because I think... The part that's sad about that moment is if you're just watching the movies, yeah, you know, he has that moment and it's emotional and, and you, you know that these this is like peanut butter and jelly, you know, <laughs> cheese and wine. Where where there's Han, there's Chewie. Mm-hmm. But um, you don't really understand just what Han means to Chewie unless you know some of the story. 
like even in aftermath which is not the best new book written but there's a there's a snippet in there where we actually get to check in on han as he's running away from the the republic um and he decides he has this opportunity to just go back and being a smuggler and he ends up finding out that there's an opportunity to free the Wookiee homeworld mm-hmm. and free them from slavery, which if you don't know much about the Wookiees, they're essentially super slaves and that's all they've ever been. In fact, Chewie was once a slave. And the fact that Han is the one who calls in all of his favors and is the one who kind of leads the charge to, to free the Wookiees is really important to Chewie. Like this is really important stuff. He is more than just his best friend. He's like his, his everything. Well, um, you know, especially how, how dedicated Han was to getting him home for life day. I mean, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's, it's a, it's, there's just a missed opportunity there that I wish audiences would get to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're coming at almost two hours here, but there is, I do want to talk about the ending because the ending is very interesting in terms of not only is it the first time we really see Luke, um, in all his wizard glory, uh, and especially love like the hand and everything, the, uh, (laughs) but it's also technology digressed again. Like (laughs) in that movie, he had a hand that looked like a hand and it was cybernetic underneath. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, having robot hands. Well, he's also been exiled, you know, in self-exile on an island planet for you know thirty years, so he probably can't keep up on the uh, artificial skin-looking thing. <laughs> it just melted. Off. Yeah, it melted. Um, well, and he obviously had it when uh, Kylo and his. Uh, first of all, the Knights of Ren looked pretty badass, and I kind of I like that like um, subversive nobility too, like the Knights of Ren. Like, there's this. Very weirdly, like, I mean, uh, everyone talks about, like, uh, Kylo being, like, that fanboy kind of guy, but it's also really interesting how he he situates himself. He's the leader of the Knights of Ren. Like, there's this oddly romanticized version of the story in his head, which I think is interesting. But that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> but at the end, when... Ray climbs up the, you know, it's it's very much hearkening back to the original trilogy in terms of its Middle East, you know, not Middle, uh, Eastern origins, like the, um, the Kurosawa, the um, Eastern film kind of stuff, where she's walking up the stairs, meeting, you know, going up to see the master, and then holds out, you know, his father's lightsaber to him, and his music, like the John Williams score, the, the Tatooine music, the uh, swells, and then it's the call to action once again, but it's the student to the master, which I thought was really, really awesome and just is accomplished in 30 seconds. And then it's just like cut to credits. You're like, no, stop. You have to keep going. I need to know more. Um, what did you guys think of the, the ending? And we'll start with James. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It, it was such a powerful moment, um, for what was delivered. Um, having not seen Mark Hamill in like a major movie role um, for a long time, like this is the guy who for, for, for more over for me has just been the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently on the flash, a really fucked up villain. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's an like, excellent toy. He was fantastic, but oh, like, so oh, but and it was one of those where it was just like, I mean, clearly like Mark Hamill still has some really good acting jobs on him. 
um, even outside of his voice work. But it was one of those moments where uh, seeing the character, um, there's so much said in the eyes of Luke alone in that scene. Um, and not just his. Like, I mean, it's, it's a whole conversation you can see that happens in just a brief instant in that moment when he looks at Ray and Ray looks at him and she holds out that saber, um, you can see in his face, like there's so much conflict. There's so much sadness. Like it's, it's all of those emotions that as, as we've talked about, like the standard of Jedi, usually from what we saw in the past, it's like, they don't have those emotions. They don't have sadness. Like they, maybe they have regret, but that's it. Well, and you um, figure this is also not very long after Han has died as well, so he had to have felt that too. Right. Um, so, I mean, when we go back to like things I want to see with these next two movies, I, more specifically in the next movie, I really want to see the dynamic of Luke outside of training or anything like that, like how he is affected, um, not only in his you know 30 years of, you know, uh, being a hermit, um, but <laughs> which like I joked about it, and I was like, it'd be really funny because um, those who aren't super force sensitive um, or know how to be in tune with the force very well wouldn't see, as far as I know, <laughs> in all of my Jedi expertise that I I have, of course, um, wouldn't be able to see force spirits. Um, so uh, in those moments where like uh, we know that Luke has the ability. Um, to see and or speak with um, Obi-Wan, Yoda, um, his father, etc. We thought it would be comedically funny if, like, there's some point where, like, during her training, like, she's sitting there, like, exhausted off her ass, and, like, he's turned around, and he's, like, like looks like he's talking at, like, a rock, and he's, like, having a conversation with, like, Yoda <laughs> or Ben or something, and he's just like, no, no, she doesn't, I can't do it again or something, and she's just, like, looking at him like, he's batshit nuts that would be kind of awesome (laughs) Uh, but yeah no i thought that moment that scene was was perfect i i don't feel like there's anything they could have done differently i felt like it was perfect in its execution and it and it had the desired effect it left me going i i have to see the next movie Mm -hmm. like i i can't not see the next movie okay uh sean uh yeah i mean it's pretty much already been summed up. It was just really well done. It just made you want to know what he was going to say. What's the first thing he's going to say to her? You don't know. <laughs> it was just such a silent gap. You're just like, say something. Like, and whatever he says will blow your mind. It could be something simple as like, how's the weather out there? <laughs> just like something so stupid. Or like, maybe he's going to just be like, daughter. And you're going to be like, what? And like, what? blow your mind that way. <laughs> It'd be so interesting to see where they take it, but yeah, I liked it. He looked kind of cool. I mean, wasn't like the classic brown Jedi robe. It was like kind of like gray Jedi looking, which was really interesting. I wonder if they're gonna play with that idea at all. Um, like Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens. Like, I'm really pumped to actually see Luke again and see what's happened to him since we left him. Yeah, JP. Yeah, so I think um, it goes on a little long for me. Like, it gets awkward at some point. Like, okay, we get it. They're standing there. <laughs> but, um... You're just awkward, Jimmy. 
I know. But I, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's well done. I don't think I needed much there. I think I just needed him to be there and her to arrive. I think to the points both Sean and James make, um, I didn't need more than that. And I, like I said, I actually needed a little less of it. Um, the, the thing I, I think is that, um, they were able to portray the fact, portray the fact that Luke knows who she is, which is really the only point we needed to get across there without them saying anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he clearly recognizes her. He knows who she is. There's, he's going to give her her story, right? She doesn't know it or she's had it blocked out or whatever it is. Um, he's the one who's going to give her her story, how he does that, whether it's because he knows it firsthand or not. I don't need to know that. I just know that he knows it. He's going to give it to her. That's reminiscent of, you know, how everyone has gotten this. Uh, and throughout the story, how Luke got his story. So, um, yeah, I, I was very happy and excited. And I mean, in going off of that, we were going to circle back to Sean's, uh, fan theory type thing with, uh, who is Ray? Like she's the only one whose backstory is, is, very like we we get hints of it in her uh her force uh visions and whatnot that she was left on Jakku at some point by someone um but she's been waiting for them to come back for her and uh the prevailing theory is essentially that she's Luke's daughter but does anyone have an alternative theory um don't think she's Luke's daughter excellent thank you James um, also <laughs> Uh, I know another one of those wavering theories is that she is a daughter of Kenobi, which I don't buy for a second either. I don't think she's either. She would be really old. (laughs) For me, for me, I don't, I don't think she's a Skywalker. I don't think she is significant to any characters we met in previous movies. I think she was a youngling. Or, or a trainee, whatever. I think she's a survivor of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was a child at the events that happened where Kylo murdered all these people, potentially. Because um, that would leave her not having to be super young. We know that they're different ages. They're not the same age. Um, so that definitely... Huh? She's supposed to be 19, and Kylo Ren's supposed to be 30. Really? Right? So, so that definitely leaves that gap there, which would be fine. Um, so I, I think, I think that's what it is. I think she's a survivor of what had happened. And I think, um, I do agree with one of the theories that like her memories were suppressed, Mm -hmm. um, by, um, a master, um, of some sort. So obviously like Luke could have done that and then, yeah, dumped her on this, (laughs) on this horrible desert planet because, Hey, she should live a life like I did as a youth, because that makes sense. <laughs> At the very least, um, Luke got to be with family. <laughs> for, for as many fucks about them as he gave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Damn it with the blue milk, Aunt Baru. <laughs> right. I, so, yeah, that's that's my thought. I think that, I, I really do think that she's going to end up being Luke's daughter. I really do. Like, the, mm-hmm. the whole lightsaber calling to her, having all those flashbacks of Luke and Anakin and Yoda and Obi-Wan, she'll probably end up being that. I would think it'd be very interesting if she is the new chosen one to balance the Force. Mm-hmm. She is, and maybe even let's tie it in with the first prequel by saying she's conceived by the Force, like Anakin was known to be. You know, we don't need to know who her parentage is. 
they just find this out and that's why she's so fucking powerful because she is the new chosen one we can go that route again um I do think if we do go that route then you're gonna have like yeah Luke doing what James was saying wiping her mind and leaving her on the damn planet um but like everyone seems to know who this girl was like even Kylo Ren seemed to know who this girl was like it wasn't like oh this is some random chick like when the, he was like, yeah, the droid escaped with the girl, he was like, what girl? Like, mm-hmm. he was super interested in it. So I, I believe that she definitely was on the planet when the mask crapped and they just, like, dumped her off. But there's something special about her. So whether she's a Skywalker and they're going to go down that road or she's the new Chosen One, she she's something definitely important. JP, do you have any prevailing theories or are you just trying to write it out by reading what other people are putting out there? No, I... I believe so. Here's here's what I think is true. I think Ray is important, and I think the Skywalkers are important. Um, it's it's not just that the Skywalkers are the, happen to be the characters that we're following. It's that that particular bloodline has a sensitivity to both sides of the Force. And that's what makes them compelling. It's you could not have an Anakin. You could not have a Luke. You could not. There, there's something specifically special to them. It's why Kylo is struggling through the film the way he is. That is not stereotypical of most Force users. It is something that is special to the Skywalkers. Um, so for me, it's more about what story do they choose to tell? Do they tr- choose to tell a story about a Jedi who brings? Jedi's back to the forefront of the galaxy, and in doing so, it doesn't really matter if Rey is a Skywalker or not. She just needs to be the next coming of a true Jedi. Or do they want to again tell a story that is critical to the history of the galaxy and the Force, which for me means she's a Skywalker? Um, I would like it to be something a little more interesting. Like, there's a piece of me that I I would like her to actually be Leia's illegitimate daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, or something to that effect. I think it being Luke's daughter is a little too simple. Um, but however they choose to tell that story, I, I, I think I'll go with whatever they decide to do. I, I don't think I have to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just more important to what what story do they want to tell. Yeah, um, I, I sincerely hope they don't do another Chosen One story because I hate chosen one stories at this point and i think that anakin's whole like chosen one thing kind of ruined it in a lot of ways like they i don't know i I don't find it relatable at all and 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 i know that ray isn't you know she she's kind of a blank slate at this point we get some we we know some stuff about her but not everything so definitely the next movie is going to be the proving ground for these characters um yeah her being luke's daughter would definitely be the easiest way to go and at the same time, I think it would also set up that juxtaposition with Kylo in, in a lot of ways, because, again, we're, we saw the chasm, we see, like, how they're they're separated dark and light, and, like, I know that there was a theory going around that the two of them could work together to balance the Force, like, you have dark and light working together and take down Snoke or something like that, I heard, I which is an interesting theory, I kind of like it. Um, a little airbender-ish. A little airbender-ish, yeah. that episode of Clone Wars? Where they went, he went to Anakin went to that damn planet. There was like the dark spirit and the light spirit, and they both had to exist. Mm-hmm. Like he was torn between the two. It was an episode of Clone Wars. It was 
whole allegory for the whole Force idea. There you go. No, I mean, I like that exploration of the Force. I don't want it to be fucking midichlorians or whatever. I want it's uh, you know the Force to me has always has always existed as that spiritual thing where it's you can harness it if you have the you know if you can you know tap into it or find the or have the proper training or or whatever um the whole like oh it's bacteria <laughs> you know it's kind of takes all the fun out of it well, um, that's one of the moments like one of those small moments i really really appreciated in this movie was that moment when she's talking to um what's her name uh the lady who owns this this tavern on this planet or whatever Maz Kanata. yeah and she and she tells she tells her you know like she has that moment where you know the force is this presence that moves through you and surrounds you and all that and i was just like yes well she's and she's yes. reiterating what obi-wan said in a new hope essentially it's again it's their way of going like look i know that there are the prequels but let's just all pretend that that didn't happen <laughs> like and so they they go back to like the idea that it is uh, again like they say it's a force it's something that exists everywhere it goes through us it's it surrounds everything um so that it is something that's possible for everyone to tap into if you have the sensitivity to it if you have the training to do it something like that like it's much more of a spiritual thing than it is oh it's a blood stuff virus thingy that we can calculate <laughs> Well, so I think that I think that people's hate of midichlorians is a little exaggerated. Like it's just look, Lucas is a bunch of issues, but hmm. it's just his way of saying, you know, it, because for him, Star Wars has also always been his kind of for me. I think his psychological trying to understanding of religion, mm-hmm. and in doing so, I think he's trying to say that religion can be both physical and spiritual like they're not necessarily mutually exclusive um and in the fact that these are essentially actual living beings that inhabit all of us and the way that many people feel like god is a living being that inhabits all of them i don't think is i think we we get we we've gotten really angry about that to the point where we've lost focus of the fact that it's it's not really the worst thing in the world that's ever happened in the Star Wars universe. Um, that would be Jar Jar. <laughs> that would be Jar Jar. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think there is something there is something genuinely religious and spiritual about the Star Wars universe that I think because the movies themselves just try to be somewhat lighthearted, fun, fair, which is one of the reasons why we didn't like the the second trilogy because they weren't lighthearted or fun they were overly emotional and stupid (laughs) um but um you know this one was lighthearted and fun and you know there was way more jokes than there was those sobbing moments and and i think in in doing that sometimes we lose we also lose sight of the fact that this is also a story about religion it's also a story about good versus evil and our inherent ability to make decisions that challenge us um and yeah i would like them to tell a story i would like them to clean up this idea that there is only white and black and the fact that whether it's with kylo whether it's ray on her own whether kylo is the skywalker of the story and ray is just the first true jedi that is born from the skywalker story and maybe kylo is the end of the skywalker story maybe he is what ultimately happens when when the force tries to interfere um and he has to 
he has to find the redemption that the rest of his family has in order to help Rey truly become the Jedi that the Jedi have always been trying to be. And that's why they started the original temple, and that's where the story has to really evolve from. I think that would be amazingly compelling. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, guys, we're we're almost at two and a half hours, so I think we're gonna have to call it call it for the night. But I do want to thank you all for coming on the podcast and talking some Star Wars: Force Awakens with me. It's always it's always fun talking to you guys, definitely. Um, so before we go, uh, James, uh, do you have anything you want to plug or things you want to promote or anything like that? No, no. I'm gonna get back to writing. It's my new resolution because right. um, I haven't been doing that so uh, uh, I guess for those listening um, you know look out at uh, my website uh, romanontherocks.com find me on Facebook um, hopefully I will start writing again um, at the very least I'm going to try to uh, start podcasting again because uh, I can drop that off too so uh, you, got, you, you might hear not only my voice but more of those that are with us right now mm-hmm. JP anything to plug promote no, I, I, like, I'm with James. I'd like to start podcasting again this year. Um, that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. More importantly, you can find me on PlayStation. If you want to play some video games? You don't want PlayStation, uh, JP. You don't. It's terrible and amazing at the same it's time. It's, <laughs> it's like a bad trip. Um <laughs> But other than that, yeah, fantastic. Sean, what do you want to promote and plug? Uh, well, um, I got nothing going on right now. I will be doing a podcast with you about some stand-up comedy soon. Very soon, yes. We'll, we'll have I'll to talk be, about that one. Um, I'll actually be doing another podcast about comedy shortly as well. I think it's called Hope for Laughs. It'll be on my Facebook and my Twitter. You can follow me at, at Sean Perot uh, or on Instagram at Seanathan87. Um, and yeah, check it out. Excellent. And uh, as always, you can follow me at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y. You can go to maniacalgeek.com as well as uh, search for Maniacal Geek and That Girl with the Curls on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, huh? Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> uh, you can also find this podcast on iTunes, uh, give some stars, maybe some feedback. I don't know. Just whatever. <laughs> Uh, but once again, guys, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Love you guys to death. Uh, and, uh, we'll probably be back for more Star Wars at some point in the, in the near future. Um, with, that's right. But with that said, good night, everybody. 